Welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole Palazzo, and today I sit down with uh, myself, sort of. <laughs> so my partner in life and in podcasting, Gordon, stepped up to be the host for today's episode so that I could share with you guys insights that I've picked up from my own experience in securing a permanent full-time job in my field in Germany. It's a very happy ending to a rocky story. <laughs> the things I had to go through in order to get the paperwork in order to start my job was a lot just by virtue of the fact that I am foreign and that the paperwork that I have isn't always going to line up with the paperwork that people in Germany typically have. So I talk you guys through where some of those gaps are and what you can do to be proactive to get your paperwork in order before you come to Germany and start your job hunting process. It's actually really appropriate that this episode is coming out this week because as I'm recording this intro, I just got home from signing my contract, which in and of itself was a pretty confusing and lengthy process. <laughs> but it's been a five-month journey to get to this point from when I got the job offer to when I signed the contract and I am just so relieved that it's all finally behind me and that I'm ready to start work in the next few days. As they say, endo gut, alles gut, all is well that ends well. And my end is finally near. So I'm happy to share with you guys what I've learned on my journey to get to that good ending. <laughs> so let me go ahead and hand it on over to Gordon. <music> My name is Gordon Eisenach, and I am from all over the place, but I was born in the Bodensee region, and I currently live with my girlfriend here in Freiburg. And Gordon is, as many of you know, the producer for the Expat Cast, but he is sitting here with us because I'm going to do a bit more of the talking today. Our topic at hand is job hunting in Germany and how to be best prepared for it. You have experience with it too, so you're here to also contribute from your insights. That is true, but I have not had it as chaotic as you have had. And I haven't had to jump through the hoops that you have. That's absolutely true, yeah. Because you're a German citizen and most of your work experience is in Germany. Me, not the case not on the either case. account. <laughs> well, why don't, you, why don't we just dive right in? Why don't you just talk us through what was your first experience when they said, like, boom, Miss Palazzo, we want you for the job. Now we need this 8 million pointed list of things of you <laughs> to see that you're actually a librarian, not full of BS. <laughs> so yeah, I will say that most of what I'm going to talk about today is pulled from my own personal experience. So for a bit of context, when I first moved to Germany, I was on a one-year contract with this like quasi job. It was like more of like a year-long internship, which I can also get more into that in a future episode. But after that year was over, I decided that I did really like my time here. I would like to stay. And so I was on the job market and I was very lucky and was offered a job within my field. But we run into a little bit of conflict because I was applying with the content that I would normally provide as an American at a job interview in America and what they were looking for or what they actually needed to give me the, the actual in-hand contract was much more. So when I applied to the job, I applied with my Lebenslauf, which is like an American resume or a CV. There are some differences in the way it's formatted, and we can talk about that as well. But just a quick overview of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Lebenslauf, which I did apply with. And then the things that I didn't apply with, which I then had to get after the fact, were first off, all of my transcripts from high school, college, and grad school in original and translated into German by a certified translator. 
Then we're also going to talk about an anerkennung, which is a recognition. Um, so if you have a higher education degree or if you're in a specialized field, someone might want a quote-unquote recognition of your degree, which basically just says your, you know, in my case, your master's in library and information science does or does not align with a German master's of library and information science. And then finally, I needed a visa. So we're going to talk through the complications with all of these things because don't you doubt for a moment, there were plenty of complications at every step along the way. Um, but why don't we start with the Lebenslauf, which I think is the broadest, most applicable thing that everyone needs. So in America, a resume is the most common way that you show your work history. And recently, people are saying it can be maybe two pages, but it's historically typically only a one-page document, which says where you went to school, what jobs you've held, a quick description of what you did in those jobs, and then maybe things like your GPA, maybe any side projects you've had, maybe a quick list of your skills. So there's a lot of variability of what you can do within that, but they're they're typically these like really busy looking one page documents because you have to get all of this information in um, and you don't put everything you've ever done. So for instance, my background, I've done marketing, I've done training, I've done work in libraries in a bunch of different fields. So depending on where I apply for a job in America, I either put focus on the marketing aspects or I put a focus on the training and educational aspects. And that's common practice. So when people are looking at your resume, they know this is not a full summary of everything this person has ever done. This is an overview. And then in the cover letter, which comes attached, um, which sometimes is a separate document or sometimes is in the body of the email with the how common email applications are these days, that's where you have one page to really make a case for yourself and, and pick up on a couple of the things that they mentioned in the job description that you think, hey, I'm really good at this and here's an example of why or when I've been good at this. And again, there's a ton of different ways to do that. And depending on your field, it's going gonna, it's gonna to vary. But those are pretty much standard. And most people applying to jobs in America have a sort of template that they just tweak for every job. Lebenslaufs are totally different. And Gordon, you helped me out a ton with that when I was getting started. So do you want to tell us what a typical Lebenslauf looks like? Well, in Germany, Lebensläufe are, they are more of like a one-pager, but I feel they are more prone to simplicity. So as an American resume, you will add all your job information or all your work history. In the German Lebenslauf, from how mine is built upon, how I've spoken to employers, they don't really care about every single detail. They just want to see that you've been consistently through your schooling, through your work, maybe three to four words of what you did at that certain job, the title of your position that you were doing. They also like to have added information about what skills you have on with software, for instance, or even just your, you can add your hobbies. You can add uh, what languages you speak and what grade you speak them. Yeah, it's it tends to be way shorter and has a way easier overview than an American resume. I would definitely say it's more definitely more of an overview, but I feel like it's an even broader overview because that's what got me when I was putting mine together. I was like, why would I put my hobbies down? Like this seems bizarre to me. I don't see how it's relevant. But here it really is both as a way to round out this person, I think, in their minds. And then also your hobbies really do speak to certain skills or attributes that you have. And so it can be relevant. Again, languages is not something that most American applications have because most people are monolingual and most jobs are monolingual. So that's another one where it's it's way different here. But you're totally right too. It's it's <laughs> what I was used to with was putting here's my job title and here are the five things I did the most. But in Germany, it's just, here's my job title. 
I did in my later applications add one line that was like, and here's a quick description of what that means. That's a little bit controversial here. I think not not everyone does that, but I did do it. And I thought that as an, especially as a foreigner, it helped me because you know, you have so much industry jargon. So I know what youth services assistant means in the library realm, in the public library industry of America. But someone in Germany reading that, even if I translate it, it's not really going to tell them much of anything. So having the one-liner, I would say for foreigners can be very important, but really one line and no more. But then also the Lebenslauf, or is there a different term for the entire document? Because what you put together and what you send out to people is like a front page with like a headshot and a quick little like, hello, I'm really excited to apply for this job. Then the second page is more like a cover letter, but I've heard it called like a Motivationsschreibung. Motivationsschreiben, yeah. Yeah. It's just basically it. you talk about your motivation and why you want to work at that job and why you think you're perfect for that job. It's your your chance to sort of persuade them. Mm -hmm. But it's not in a letter format. I guess that's one difference from an American cover letter. The cover letter is, to whom it may concern. Sincerely, Nicole Palazzo. And here, it's just, it's a, it's just a, Schreibung, it's just a, you know, an essay almost. Yeah. And even there, it varies a lot where they say some people want just one page, other people are half a page. It's like you have to be clear and concise on that. But do you, are you meaning the whole entire package as the Lebenslauf? That's my question. I I sort of refer to that in its entirety, the, the cover page, the Motivationsschreibung, and the, the actual Lebenslauf part. I mean, I think I've offhandedly referred to that whole package as a Lebenslauf, and I think that's false, right? So it's correct me. false, yeah. <laughs> Lebenslauf is just uh, essentially what we were describing earlier. The whole entire package is your Bewerbung. Makes sense. Bewerbung is the word for application. Yeah. There you go. So there is a standard of application. So this is a thing in America. It's more loosey-goosey. Some applications have an online like checkbox or something like this. And then you have a place where you upload your resume and you have a place where you upload your cover letter. But there's not an expectation of this one single PDF document, whereas here there is. And the, the picture is also important. Having a, a headshot that is... Not necessarily professionally done, though if you have one, yes. <laughs> but something that is a headshot that, that can pass as professional. So, you know, not a selfie from your night out on the town. <laughs> That's something I was not necessarily prepared for and had to very frantically scroll through all of my pictures, trying to find something that was acceptable. And as someone who's like a chronic funny face maker in pictures... Um, yeah, it took, it took me a minute. <laughs> Just start with the duck faces. It'll I can't. make your life way easier. I can't. Once you start, you can't stop. The duck life is is the life for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's the Lebenslauf slash Bewerbung in a larger sense. So if you're coming from an American resume or CV even, there are easy ways to adapt your documents to fit into the Lebenslauf format. But it is important that you do that because if you show up only saying certain things and, and leaving out other aspects, it's going to be a bit tricky we're not going to go into total detail today about how to make a Lebenslauf, um, but if you're interested, there's plenty of resources online that you can find specifically for English speakers wanting to translate their documents into the German format. So I'll, I'll send you off into the internet for that one, but that's definitely one thing you need for a job. The second thing is your transcripts. So in Germany, whenever you finish a schooling, you're given a Zeugnis, which is sort of like a hybrid certificate transcript document that says I completed my degree. In the case of a degree, it has your grades. The paper you get will show you 
your grades of every semester and then the final grade. So not just does it show your final grade, but it also shows the pathway that you took to those grades. Like the first two semesters, you sucked. And then the second two, you're good. It also sort of shows a, a form of development in the person rather than just their grades. And I think that's something that employers like to look at as well. You can have an overall grade average of 1.5, which would be super great. But in the fields that you actually need for the job, you're terrible. But in all the other classes you've taken, you're really good. So the, the overall average grade doesn't really reflect that much for, for the German employers. So they want to see exactly how you got to the grade that you have over the course of the time and what grades you had in between. That makes sense. And you own that document, right? When you yes. leave, they give it to you. And what you do when you need copies is you go to anywhere that does the Glaubig der Kopien, they're called, right? It's, it is it's... a pain in the ass. I want to <laughs> I want to let everybody know in the United States, it is a pain in the ass. This is the buckle up your seatbelts part. This so, is the buckle up your yeah, seatbelts part. Um, this all sounds like maybe, I, I think for, for Germans who are not used to working with foreigners and specifically with American foreigners, this can be something that they're not expecting to be difficult, but is. Because in Germany, you own your, your Zeugnisse. It is in the exact format that they want. And anytime you need a copy, you go to the certain location. So in my case, the Rathaus in my town, which is the city hall, has people that makes these. But Glaubig to Kopien are official copies, certified copies. So these people take your documents, they make just a normal copy, but then they put all these fancy stamps on it that says, hey, anyone who's looking at this, this isn't a forgery. This is real. And it's super easy to do. It costs a couple euros per document, but it's really not bad. And they're very quick and, and good about it. And that's how they're used to doing it. In my case, I first had to figure out what the heck a Zeugnis was because in the American system, when I leave high school, I'm given my diploma, which is a, it's a fancy looking certificate that says, you graduated, congrats. And that's purely decorative. I mean, it does have weight to it. It is important and it is a legally binding document that certifies you did this. But at the end of the day, it has no helpful information other than your name, your title, and the date you graduated, which in some contexts, that's super helpful. In this context, it's not. But if you look up the direct translation for Zeugnis, you're going to find diploma as one of the options. Um, I would say, at least in my experience, that's not exactly right. So what an American transcript is, is more similar to Zeugnis. So it still says your date of graduation. It still says, you know, your name, your degree, all of that. And it goes class by class, like you were saying, and says, in my high school, I had to take Ukrainian. And it says my grade in Ukrainian, which like wasn't great. But then it shows my other grades and things that are maybe more relevant to my future. And then those were great. So, you know, they can track through your progress. So first I had to determine, okay, transcripts is what I really want. If I asked people, they might say, do both. Just be safe, do both. But I was hesitant to do that because in most academic scenarios in America, you have to pay for any release of documents and the copy of a diploma is very expensive. And so if I could get away without it, I thought better not to, right? So, all right, so I order my transcripts. Already I have an issue because American transcripts are supposed to only be released to the person who is reviewing them. They're not supposed to be released to an individual because then theoretically you could tamper with the documents, etc. However, in my case, I couldn't send them directly to my employer because they wanted translated copies. They said, you know, your, your German's better than my English. I'm not going to be able to look at this document and know what it's saying about your schooling. So they wanted the originals just to be able to certify that this was 
not again a forgery, but they were more interested in the translation. So what I ended up having to do is order all of my transcripts to my parents' house in the States, where they gathered all three and then shipped them over to me. I'm not sure if that is legally sound. Um, <laughs> I'm not advising people to do that, but that's what worked for me, especially because in two of the three of my schools, they had no option to ship them overseas. Bless my little high school's heart. I mean, it was a tiny school with 100 kids per grade, and the only place that they send their transcripts to is colleges. So when I did eventually get my transcript, it had my normal transcript on the front and then a photocopy of my SAT scores on the back. This becomes important in a moment. So I get all my copies, ship to my parents' house, and then my mother ships them to me in Germany. I think, great, let me go ahead and get my copies made. And then I will send one copy to the translator and one copy to the, um, to the library who is employing me in the future. I go into the Rathaus to get my Beglaubigte Kopien. And I have to argue with them for about 45 minutes, talking to this person's boss and then their boss and then their boss. The issue for them was... American transcripts come in an envelope that say only valid if unopened. And this is again to verify, this is the American version of verifying that you didn't tamper with them or forge them. But to the Germans, they would take this envelope and say, oh, well, I can't open it to make a copy because then I would be ruining the validity of this document. And I said, okay, but I brought them to you unopened so that you can open them. And in the process of opening them, you have seen with your own eyes that, that nothing's been tampered with. Then you can make the copies, no problem. But for them, that was a problem. It was a huge confusion and a huge risk, and it's not something they're used to dealing with. So again, I had to talk to the next boss and the next boss. The final boss told me, you know, at the end, I kept being like, I, you know, I got so frustrated. I thought, okay, you know, I've gone through all this and they're not going to work with it. What, what are my other options? So I said, finally, okay, if I open it in front of you, Will you make the copies? And he said, Pro Palazzo, <laughs> I can't promise you that I will be able to do that because I don't know what's in these envelopes. However, if you open them and we look at them and they look good, then I'll make the copies. And at this point, I said, I, I know what's in the documents. It's, it's transcripts, right? <laughs> I know that nothing's been tampered with. So I go ahead and open them. And two out of the three, he does go ahead and copy. No problem. He does do way more proofing than I expected. So he did a lot of like holding it up to the light and, and reading the whole description on the back that says, this is a certified paper. And what that means is if you do this and that, then this and that will appear. So he really did test the paper, verify that it was this special paper that they claimed. And then he went ahead and made the copies all as well. However, um, my high school transcripts, like I said, had a photocopy on the back. They also had a signature field that wasn't signed. So they said, there's no way we can do anything with this. I had to then go back to my high school and say, hey, I understand that you're used to sending them out in this format because that's what works for colleges, but they don't know what SATs are and they have they don't care. <laughs> um, for them, it's a photocopy, which makes the entire document invalid. Also, if there's a signature field and it's not signed, for them, again, it's, it's how is this possibly valid? So my school said, you know, normally the stamp is enough and that certifies that it's real. But for the German government, whatever, it wasn't enough. So they had to send me a new version. They're very nice people at my high school and were willing to work with me to get exactly what I needed. So they sent that to me directly. I went back to the Rathaus and I had to do the exact same process. 
some of the people were the same people as were there last time, but they still were not willing to recognize me and say, oh, no problem. We we remember the process you went through last time. Let's just make a copy. No, they were like, we couldn't possibly make a copy of this. How could I possibly verify it wasn't fraudulent? Blah, blah, blah. And on this version, <laughs> the person who sent it to me from my high school had written in cursive official transcript on the envelope fold where, where it's sealed, but it was in pen. Like it was not... And it was not saying not valid if opened. It wasn't saying anything. It was just someone wrote that. But that was like suddenly an issue for them. It said there. It says official transcript. I think I've I've worked with American ones before. And if I open this, then it's not valid anymore. And so again, I had to say, I understand your concern. Can I please talk to the next person above you? Because I, I promise you can do it. Like you just did it last week. And I actually ended up having to go back a third time because one of my transcripts I'd only gotten one copy of the first time around and I did end up needing the second when I thought I maybe wouldn't and I went in there and I said okay guys I've been here twice both times I've come in here you've said no 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 there's no way we can do anything with any of these papers we argued for 30 minutes and then you did it so could we just like jump to the part where you just do it and they were like, no way, we couldn't possibly. And I was like, okay, but your boss's boss's boss made a copy of this exact document two weeks ago. Like, I, I can't show it to you because I mailed it off somewhere, but it, but he did it here. And they asked me to describe him, and I did. And they were like, oh, oh, that is, that's the main guy. That's the boss's boss's boss. But they were like, you know, maybe he felt comfortable doing that, but I could never, I could never put my my risk, you know, my name on the line and take that risk to certify this document when I don't feel like it's certifiable. <laughs> so I had to say, please, please, no, really. And eventually spoke to someone who, after, again, much scrutiny of the paper it was on, made the copy. So that is all to say, be prepared that it's going to be a hassle to get these copies made. If you can be mindful and strategic of where they're going, do. <laughs> if you can avoid having to make these copies, then by all means, do. And if you're hearing no a lot, just keep going. And I think that's very good advice for working with German bureaucracy in general. The way that American customer service employees are taught to be is to say yes and to promise everything and to say like, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through any pain and let me help you out. And so, you know, especially as Americans, you get used to not having to advocate for yourself too much. I've tried that in Germany and you get nowhere because they're used to a system where people do push back and they say, no, really, I need you to try this. And it's not considered rude. No one was mad at me at the end of this process. It was not hostile. It was just a bit more dramatic than I would think is is really necessary. <laughs> There's a saying in German called Beamten Mikado. So a Beamte is someone exactly that who works for the city, who works for the government, etc., who is in the Rathaus, who does exactly these things that you were dealing with. And Mikado is the game where you have a bunch of wooden sticks. I'm sure some people in the U.S. have played this before. Pick up sticks. Pick up sticks, and you drop it, and you have to pick them up without moving one. So the game is for the Beamten Mikado is... The first person who moves loses. And I will tell you what, I will tell everybody listening that one thing, and I'm, I'm half German, I can say this, Germans hate their bureaucrats, their Beamten, because they are verbeamtet, which means they can never work in another field unless they quit their safe job, but they pick this job because they have a safe job. They only have to work like 34 hours a week, 
and they have this minuscule little amount of power to say no, and they will do it at every single turn. But what Nicole did was the right way. You just push and you push and you push and you ask for the manager and you ask for his manager and you ask for his manager, and you will win at the end of the day, but you have to play dirty. <laughs> so Gordon's allowed to say that as a German. I would say as um, an expat or immigrant or, or however I choose to self-identify, the attitude that you're describing, definitely true. I will say a lot of the Beamte that I've worked with have been have been very helpful and, you know, sympathetic when I've gotten worked up or when I've run into issues with the language. So I did all of this in German and a lot of these things I went to alone because my German's at a level where I feel confident in doing that. Um, again, if you're not there, I would suggest you, you bring a German buddy with just to help translate. While many of these people can and will speak English with you, it does sort of shift their perspective on your on, on the whole case um, and maybe on your your dedication to this process. Who knows? I don't I, I don't want to play psychologist guessing at what's going through their minds, but it definitely helps to to be making an effort to speak German and to be making an effort to to get it done, be persistent. And I found that they are respectful and can be very helpful in that process. But it is definitely true that you, you have to bargain on being told no for 30 minutes just to be told yes in the last five. In all my life, I've never had a positive experience with any certain <laughs> Beamte. And I, anytime you talk to any German about this topic, they will say the same things. My Unless they're officer... a Beamte because they think they're very important. <laughs> just let's get that clear. My but... immigration case officer is awesome. We've agreed on this. Okay. But do you remember when we were, this is a little personal <laughs> story between Nicole and I, when we were at the Deutsche Bahn, it's the exact same mentality. Yeah. We were at the Deutsche Bahn, Nicole needed to go to Karlsruhe and you got the wrong ticket. So you had gone there and then redone the ticket. But the person who gave you the ticket sort of made the mistake of giving you two tickets to your destination and not one ticket to your destination, one back. So that made no sense at all but the person did it and it was a mistake and that happens we go back and the person at the counter that we were talking to refused outright and said there is nothing he can do no way it's just the rules there's nothing he can do and there was a 30 he, minute window there's a right? 30 minute window that is written on a sign that he had behind his desk so you couldn't even see it and then <laughs> we just called the manager or had him call the manager after getting into a heated discussion with him and the manager lady was just within 30 seconds yeah no problem we do this? But right. it took both of us. I'm not much of a screamer, but I raised my I voice, am. and Gordon's a screamer. And Gordon was screaming when we we're both at the top of our volumes in German, just say, you know, speaking at the same time. It doesn't even matter what we're saying. Just saying like that makes no sense. This is a fair. I'm. I have a hard time sort of peacocking up like that, but you gotta go for it, and it worked. <laughs> it's less work for them if they say no. So it's your duty to make it more work for them to say no. Exactly. At the end of the day. Yeah. And that's true with this whole process. So if someone's being more strategic about their job hunt and doing this all ahead of time, just be warned. You might think you can just drop in, get your copies and go. Just be, be ready for this to be a bit more of a journey. <laughs> take, take yourself some time and yeah. try not to throw things at them because that, that will then just get you kicked out. Just yell at them. There was and a don't stop until they say okay. There's an ice cream shop right outside of the rat house I went to that has eighty cent ice cream cones and um yeah I uh I went ahead and was like okay eighty get cent ice cream yeah cones? the ice cream what is not year that... do they live in like two thousand nine it's mostly water it's not very good ice cream after awesome. uh, the whole time in this thing I was like okay you know what get through this and go get yourself an ice cream cone so whatever it takes bear your patience but stay persistent and you'll hopefully probably get what you need. Again, in my job hunt, I was offered the job after applying with my Bewerbungs and then having an interview. And after the fact, they said, we are offering you this job, but to give you the contract we need, 
the transcripts, original and translated, the Anerkennung and the visa. So I was doing these after the fact and I was feeling an additional time pressure because the sooner I get this done, the sooner I can start work, which I needed to do. So I think if I could look back in time, I I would go back and say, okay, I'm going to do this ahead of time and be ready. So anyway, I got my copies. I I kept one copy to give to the library. The second copy I took to an official translator. This is an important but quickie. If you need translations of your transcripts, go to someone who is a certified translator. So there are people who are bilingual and might offer to do translations, but you want to seek out someone who is certified in that field and their prices are maybe a little bit higher, but at the end of the day, your employer is not going to accept anything less than that because again, it's not certified. It doesn't have the fancy stamps. So go to a certified translator for that. Mine gave me two copies of what I needed, but again, in the future, if I need more copies, I can either go back to my translator or I believe I could also make these Beglaubig to Kopien, these uh, certified copies of those documents as well. So that was just part one of me getting together what I needed for my job. The second thing that I needed, which I would recommend people look into ahead of time, is the Anerkennung or the recognition. So this is where it gets a bit touchy though. There's two categorizations in Germany of professions. There's qualifiziert and unqualifiziert, or qualified and unqualified. And in English, that sounds a bit harsh. Maybe there's a better translation that doesn't sound so so strong. <laughs> but basically, the qualified professions are like doctors, lawyers, these really highly specialized, specific fields that are very much based on the laws of the country that you're in. In those cases, if you're one of, if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, you need to get an Anerkennung or a recognition of your foreign certification. Every other field, it's optional. But in many fields, it's common practice. So like, for instance, working with children or, or teaching, it's not required, but it's it's a very, very common that, you know, the American schooling to become a teacher is totally different than the German schooling. And they want to see either through your schooling or through your work experience since then, you have reached the level that they would consider equivalent. This process, this this Anerkennung, or what I ended up doing is actually a Bewertung. So the Anerkennung is technically only for qualifizierte Beruf, so lawyer and doctor. Everything else, then it's called a Bewertung. So it's a, a, wor- a worthiness or... A Bewertung is... Yeah, I, I think you would best describe it as a... Well, essentially the Bewertung and the Anerkennung, are, they're the same a scoring, thing. A scoring, a grading. Yeah. They grade, they, they, they don't give you like an A, B, or C, but they could just compare it. They, uh, they look at it, they evaluate it, and then give their opinion or, or whatever. Right. So there's a government body that exists to, to serve this function. It's called the Zentrum für Ausländische Bildungskenntnisse, and that just means the Center for Foreign Education. They ask for the transcripts of your schooling from, again, high school, college, and grad school. And again, for me as an American, I'm like, why does anyone care what I did in high school? That seems like so long ago, it's irrelevant. But here it is relevant it seems crazy. Just just suck it up and go with it. Um. <laughs> Germans are incredibly weird. Yeah. We have long words for short meanings, and we really care what you did with 16. Yep. So you got to just, just roll with it. <laughs> so they want that. They want your Lebenslauf. And then any other documents, like any thesis documents that you have, etc. And they look at this and they say, okay, based on this information, it does or does not qualify you here in Germany for the same degree. The only catch of that is it costs 250 euros, I want to say. It's either 200 and 250 for one document. So for me, I just needed my master's and that costs 250 euros. Any additional documents would then be an, an additional 200 euros. That process also takes on average three months. 
It can take more, it could take less, but on average three months. So again, for me, as someone who had a verbal offer for this job, who had to wait until I had all these documents and to get the official contract, that was another huge time factor on me. Okay, you know, I got this offer in X month, it took me a month to get my transcripts, and now three months from now, I'm gonna get my final answer. Seemed crazy, right? So again, if you're planning on applying to jobs in Germany ahead of time, just go ahead and get that done if you think it's something that they might want in your field. There is a, a really good website that can help you figure out, I'm from Afghanistan and I have an engineering degree and do people generally recognize that degree in Germany? There's a website that can show you that information, not for every country and not for every degree, but for a lot of them. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Look up there and do any other further research you can. So again, I needed those copies and I needed my Lebenslauf. I sent it off and I waited. I got lucky and got mine back in two months and they said, it's good to go. It counts as a master's. So that's wonderful. And now I have this document and can always make copies whenever I need it in the future. The third thing that you need is a visa. And this is a very typical problem in Germany where the immigration department does not want to give you a visa without a contract, but any employer does not want to give you a contract without a visa. So what typically happens is you sort of do this like back and forth dance where you have a offer of employment from the that says, pending a visa, we would hire this person. You go to the Ausländerbehörde or the immigration office with that letter. They see it and say, well, we would be willing to give you a visa if you had the contract. And typically at this point, both sides have given a green light. They haven't given the official document, but they've given a green light to each other. Then you can go back to your employer and say, here's the thing from immigration saying, if you give me the contract, they'll give me the visa. And then typically they'll give you the contract and you go back to the immigration office and they give you the visa. So it's a bit of a silly dance that's back and forth. And that's not a perfect equation. For me, it worked differently. For me, my immigration officer just got on the phone with my employer and said that she was unable to do any further work without a contract. And there was some form that they could fill out that wasn't an official contract, but had all of the important information. They were able to use that document and then give me my visa. So that can happen too. So again, it's not a perfect dance, but if you get a job offer and then go to immigration and then get this scary message saying, no, no, you, you know, we won't give you the visa without the contract and you feel like you're in a bind, it's a very common bind. Just go back and forth and back and forth and eventually with a lot of pushing and again, persistence, you will get what you need from both ends. And those are at least the things that I've experienced are important to job hunting in Germany. So again, Lebenslauf slash Bewerbung in general, transcripts or Zeugnisse from high school, college and grad school if you have it. If you have a PhD, then that as well. Maybe a recognition of your degree, depending on your field. And once you have the offer, just be prepared for a little bit of more back and forth with the visa process. It sounds like a lot. It is a lot. If you were wondering what's been going on in my personal life over the past three to four months, that it's been a lot of chaos. that. Chaos. It's just chaos and daily coming home, just like I need to relax and, and take a moment because I just fought with Beamta for four hours or waited in a line for three hours just to be told no in two minutes. Yeah. It's um it's a bit of psychological warfare, <laughs> warfare, I would say. I mean, that seems really dramatic and it is really dramatic and I don't fully mean that, but it's... It's a lot. And it's something, again, something is that I as an American am not used to because while we are super bureaucratic with things like immigration and other forms of what I would even just qualify as more important things, um, we do get very bureaucratic. But on the basic level with jobs and stuff like that, there's this American spirit of like, like people just don't check in on you as much. But you'll get there. And those are some things to be aware of. Just push through. Just push through. Just keep swimming. And if they say no, keep talking. Yep. 
All right, we're gonna we're gonna head into the to the final rounds of this. Tuck tuck tuck. It's three rapid fire questions that the host, which in this case is for whatever reason me, but usually Nicole. Twenty eighteen is a weird year, man. Back and forth, up and down. <laughs> um, thinks of three questions to throw at the person that they have to answer as quickly and as spontaneously as they can. Did I get that correct? Yeah, you did Ms. great. Miss Tuck Tuck Tuck. <laughs> All right, first question. As the expat on this expat cast, one city you've never been to but have heard great things about and want to go visit? Oh, so many. Um, one. A city. Okay, I'm going to stick to that word city and say Hamburg. Second question. One thing you'd change about our apartment. Oh, <laughs> um, we would have a real kitchen. All right. And since you're technically a celebrity, would you be willing to make Return to House Hunters International? Oh my goodness. Yes, I would go back and I would even more be crazy and like nail the villain card. I would be like the next level. I'd I go for it. 4,000 miles. That would be the nicest thing I said in the episode. <laughs> Yeah. All right. For everybody who doesn't know, we were on House Hunters International. If you want to see our tiny, awful kitchen, you can check out the episode. <laughs> well, now they know the, the the result. Yeah, I'm not worried about. Spo- I'm not worried about spoiling House Hunters International. I just and- want you all to know, as the boyfriend and my eyes that are screaming for help, what you see of Nicole is how she really is. All the time. She's terrible. She's terrifying. Selfish. And I'm, I can't get out of this apartment because I leased it for way too long. So I'm I just waiting for it to, to run out. <laughs> so if anyone wants more context on that question, we um, did do an episode about looking for apartments in Germany where I get into talking about our experience on House Hunters. And you can listen to that if you want more of the, uh, the spill, the gossip, the um, what do the kids call it these Drama. days? Drama. The drama <laughs> from our the, house on her The sad, pathetic episode. drama. <laughs> yep. But that is enough said for the Zack, Zack, Zack. Thank you for being sort of a host right now. And thank you also for, you know, giving us your insights into Lebenslauf and the different processes. Yeah, no problem. There it is, folks. As I mentioned, this stuff is very technical. So this is definitely an episode where you want to hit the show notes if you are someone who is on the job hunt and is wanting to use these resources. So I have linked to a ton of great stuff. And some of the things that I said in this episode were slightly wrong or I couldn't remember the exact number. So again, that's all cleared up in the show notes. Check those out for all of the details that you could want and need. I want to say thank you as always, but especially today, to Gordon Eisenach, my partner in life and in podcasting, for stepping up and co-hosting me today. Thank you as always to Amy Lenny Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. You can find them on Instagram at a hug from the side. You can find us on Instagram too at the expat cast as well as on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. And you can shoot us an email at the expatcast at gmail.com. Good luck to anyone who is on the job market listening to this. We will be back in your feeds next week with an episode all about what it's like to do the reverse of what I did. So what it's like to be a German living abroad in America. And speaking of living in America, for all of my lovely listeners out there in the states happy halloween i hope you get lots of candy